Photographing the National Parks at Night with Matt Hill. This is the Shutterbug Life Podcast, Episode 61. Welcome to the Shutterbug Life Podcast. If photography is not just something you do, but who you are, this is a place for you. In this podcast, we talk about everything you need to be, do, or have to reach your true potential. Let's celebrate the creative photographer's lifestyle with your host, my dad, Linford Morton. Well, welcome to the Shutterbug Life Podcast. This is your weekly photography lifestyle podcast where we learn how to be better photographers. I'm your host, Linford Morton, but of course, you can call me Lynn. This is episode 61, and today we go back to the national parks to discuss photographing them just at night. You might you might remember in episode 23, we talked about photographing the national parks with Chris Nicholson. Well, if you want to take the National Park Photography to another level, you ought to try photographing them at night. So says today's interview guest, Matt Hill, who fell in love with night photography in an unusual place, but then took it to a respectable national park. I love talking with established photographers to really learn what inspires their work. And I think you'll find both inspiration as well as some helpful tips in today's interview with Matt. So without further ado, let's chat with with Matt. All right, I'm with Matt Hill of Matt Hill Arts. Matt, are you there? Yes, I am. How are you doing? I'm doing just great. Now, we're we're going to talk about night photography, and not just night photography, but a great place to do it, which is in our national parks. So I'm really excited to, to talk with Matt about this. Matt, before we get started, tell us a little bit about you, photography-wise, and um, you know how you came to photography and how you came to this specialty. Well, uh, when, I, when I was in high school, my parents gave me my first SLR and my mom had been had her own dark room for at least 10 years prior to that. So I was exposed to photography from a very early age. Not only that, my grandparents on both sides were avid photographers uh, and pursued it to document the family primarily, but they were pretty extraordinary photographers in their own right, although never sought money. I fell in love with photography when I took my first night photograph, uh, I was hanging out like most teenagers or some in the, in the graveyard with my best friend, Brian. And, uh, in, in Flemington, New Jersey, it happens to be up on top of a hill overlooking the entire town. And I thought this would be a nice place to take a long exposure, which I heard about this bulb mode. So I set up a tripod that I borrowed from my mom, my, my camera, a little fisheye adapter that I was borrowing and got a Vivitar 283 flash. And I had him stand in front of the camera. I'm like, move closer, move closer. He was filling the frame and I popped the flash. It was on bulb and he walked out of the frame. <laughs> and I was like, why'd you walk out of the frame? He's like, cause the flash went off pictures over. I'm like, no, it's not. 
I'm on this thing called Bulb. I'm holding the shutter open. He goes, eh, let's see what happens. And when I processed the film and I made the print, I could see through his body. Right. And at that moment, there was this explosion in my head, like boom, ba ba like time plus light plus <laughs> motion equals holy cow, that's cool. I want to do more of that. You made a ghost in the graveyard. I made a ghost <laughs> in the graveyard. And <laughs> cool, from, from that point forward, I was enchanted with the idea of just dilating time and playing with light and seeing all these things that you can't do in a fraction of a second. You can only do it by drawing out the exposure length. And the best time to do that is at night. Yeah, that works. So that's cool. So that was the actual, the absolute, absolute first um, time really playing seriously. Did you know what might happen? What were you trying to do when you set that shot up? You're just going to take a flash shot of him in a graveyard? <laughs> I'm sure I saw a picture in a photography book or magazine someplace of somebody doing something with a long exposure and I was like, I it's I need to experiment, which was all photography was back then because there was no right. immediate feedback, right. at least not for kids like me who couldn't afford Polaroid. So, <laughs> yeah, it was it was all experimentation. And I had no idea what I was going to get, and that was part of the charm. Right, right. And so since then, how long you – know, you've been shooting for a while since then, still shooting night photography. I see on your website that's, you know, good – bit of what you do mm -hmm. um how do you keep keep interested in that over such a long period of time in just uh, night what, what, what kinds of things are you doing i experiment with light sources and locations and scenarios um let's start with light sources i every time i see a, a child a child's toy that involves light especially with the led revolution i look at it and say what would that look like during a long exposure? Mm. And sometimes I buy these things just because I know that I can create some sort of light effect that I haven't seen before. Mm -hmm. And I'll just throw it in my bag and take it with me on a shoot. And then I'll be like, oh, I brought this thing. It's time to experiment. That's one thing. Uh, locations. There's We live in New York City. and give, give, I'm sorry, Finn. Give me an example of a, of a light toy that you played with and how what you did with it. <laughs> Okay. Okay. So still talking about New York City, down in Union Square. Okay. Uh, and uh, during the, the Christmas time, there's uh, buskers out there selling stuff. One of the things that they sell is for ten dollars, you can get three of these LED flycopters that look like maple seeds when they come down. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So I looked at that and I said, "That LED light is making a tight spiral as it comes down." I walked over, gave the guy ten dollars. Uh -huh. <laughs> like for three of these cheap pieces right. of plastic with a rubber band sling that shoots it up into the sky. And my wife was like, you're crazy. I bought my son one. <laughs> I, doing I, love, that. I love them. <laughs> and I said, I'm going to use these. And I didn't use them for probably six months until I got out to the Valley of Fire in Nevada. Mm -hmm. And we were out shooting. And my friends know that I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit crazy. And they saw me pulling something weird out of the bag, and they're like, what's this new thing that you brought, Matt? I said, oh, you'll see. And uh, and then I, I went into different – I went on the road. I went like up like a, a little canyon and stuff and just shot these into the sky. And the, the end result of these photographs, when somebody sees it without context, not knowing what made the light, they immediately think aliens, <laughs> which I think is cool because right. – 
if with very little effort, I made somebody think of something that's really hard to pull off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't have that intent. I was just experimenting with lights. But it, what did it look like? A streak of, of, of one color, a multicolors, or what did you uh, actually see? Uh, most of my photographs get converted to black and white. So what yeah. you see is like one straight line going up and then a gentle parabola as it comes down. And then you mm. see this tight little spiral that might drift if there's wind or mm. come straight down if there's no wind. Interesting. I'm going to have to try that now. <laughs> you should. It's great. It, looks, it sounds like fun. All right. So what other kinds of, of night photography? You said you, you also use location as one of your yeah. areas, I guess. Yeah, location it provides a, a huge amount of opportunity. Uh, in New York, we have water. We've got urban architecture. You can find things that are falling into ruin. You can find things that are absolutely shiny new. Uh, so you, there's this. You could just turn a corner and take three steps and find another completely different photograph to take. I like mm. combining sky and water together. Right. Because it shows the passage of time mm-hmm. rather well. And that's one of the things I look for in my photography is not just, hey, can I take a picture at night? It's the intent to say, how can I make somebody, when they look at this photograph, question how long it took to make this photograph or think about time. I want time to be involved in their appreciation of the photograph. Right, right, right. Okay. Now, sp- speaking of locations, you guys do a lot of work, as I understand it, in in the national parks, which I was a little surprised to hear because I always thought of them as closing, at least the ones, you know, near the cities where I go to, they start kicking you out at sundown. So tell me how, how, you know, which ones you go to and how that works. Uh, this is, here's a fun tip. Many national parks are open 24, seven, 365. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. The gates are primarily open 24, unless there's like bad weather. So you can drive in and out. And there's mm-hmm. the honor, and there's on the honor system. So you leave the proper amount of money on the way in, mm-hmm. uh, and you can go in. Some of them have other rules. The state parks often close down, but national parks are, are, are if not, there's camping. So right, right, you re, you reserve yourself a camping spot, and you have free reign of the park twenty four hours a day. So, uh, how I discovered or became enamored with this was uh, after I went out for a trade show. Uh, out in, uh, at, uh, oh my gosh, Arizona. And then my, my best friend and I decided to go on a road trip. And we were driving this big clockwise circle north uh, from Arizona. And it went right through Moab and Arches, mm. where I'd never been. Right. And I always wanted to go. And we, we got there right before sunset, checked in, drove into the park immediately, and then uh, we just scouted the park really quick with a car and we, we decided to ascend the mountain up to delicate arch because I was crazy. And it was, Oh, by the way, it was January 21st. So it's cold. <laughs> it was really cold <laughs> and there was snow on the ground. Um, and I didn't have the proper footwear and a lot of mistakes that I don't recommend anybody else make. I will make the mistakes for you. <laughs> the preparation. There you yeah. go. And if, and if you want to take a workshop, it's totally safe because I've already made the mistakes. <laughs> So uh, I, I went up. This is my first experience in a national park at night. and I hadn't been to a lot of them. I made it all the way to the top of the mountain after sliding around on ice. 
and came over that view where you can see Delicate Arch and you're looking down on it. And it was a full moon, crispy, clear skies, little puffs of clouds in the sky. And I said, this was absolutely worth it. And I spent the next half hour shooting in the freezing cold, uh, much to my friend's chagrin. And <laughs> and the, the photographs that I got from that when I was uh, processing them that evening, because I always process my pictures before I go to bed. I'm also crazy like that. And I was saying, I, I can't believe I experienced this with only one other person. More people should get access to this. And if they don't have the tools to do it, we, th- this is a what's, great what's idea. the this when you say more, more people should have access to this what do you what's the this being able to photograph in these beautiful places at night a lot of people see all the photographs of the national parks during the daytime right right it's completely different at night mm-hmm. like even in full moonlight which which often looks like direct sunlight because it causes crispy shadows um you still have the stars in the skies and it's it it feels different <laughs> and it, it it's just like it's a completely different aura it's a terrible word to use but to mm-hmm. me it felt special it felt it felt like um i was i was getting closer to one of the things i love about night photography is i slow down i took right, a breath. i would think so right i don't feel like i'm in such a rush okay what's the next picture what's the next picture except it's I, freezing I, well <laughs> it depends on the time of year of course right 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 <laughs> And I look at what's in front of me and I enjoy it. And that's one of the hallmarks of national parks is people go there to enjoy the natural beauty. Even more so at night, <clears throat> you're less likely to take a picture and move on because you have to wait for your camera to finish the exposure. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing it in a completely different light, pun intended. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it's interesting. So when you went there, what were you initially – you said you went and you scouted. What were you looking for the first time you stumbled into – the national park at night were you just hey let's see what's here or were you thinking of something specific oh i definitely i was looking for what would look good with a large field of stars behind it mm. absolutely positively i was i was calculating for that okay okay it's a field of stars so so interesting now which which one was this again Arches. The arches, right. And I think since then you've done a number of them. Which what are you some of the favorite locations in terms of national parks that would be lend themselves to great night photography? Well, the this year our program is, is holding five uh I think three are sold out already. We're holding five. Arches is one of them and that one I'm teaching because I wanted to give back on that experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're teaching in Death Valley also. Uh we're teaching in uh, Crater Lake, which is that one I'm also teaching at, which is in Oregon, which is phenomenal because it is it's a caldera, which is an extinct volcano top, which is filled with water. Mm. So it's a lake at the top of a volcano. Interesting. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's that's, not, that's not impressive. It's so cool. And uh, we're also teaching at Zion uh, and Acadia. In fact, Acadia is in about a week and a half. Um, from this date of the recording. So, yeah. So when you go out there, if if I, if I do just general night photography, what kinds of things would I need to know if I am doing this kind of, you know, I'm going into a national park. 
are there any other special tools or tips that you, that you would need to to know before you start this kind of exploration? Yeah, yeah for for night photography in general, you need to have a couple of very basic things. You need to have a solid tripod. You need to have a camera that handles long exposures or high ISO or both pretty well with the quality that you desire. Uh, you need to have the ability to make long exposures, which usually means an external intervalometer, which is a fairly inexpensive accessory. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need to have extra batteries. Right. That's that's about it. It's a you need to have a. I I would suggest wide lenses, but there's a you break every rule in photography once you learn all of them. I've made some great photographs with long lenses at night too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the the last component is something you can't buy. You need to have curiosity. Like you, you mm-hmm. if you're not curious about what's going to happen when you're out there, then you're probably not going to be a good night photographer. <laughs> yeah. I think that probably works in day two. Curiosity is going to be really important. Yeah, but it, it could be scary at night. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different kind. Yeah. Says, says the guy who shoots in the graveyard. Oh, yeah. Um, well, in, in, let me just add this. In national parks, the other stuff that you would bring would be your your common safety things, which is great footwear, water, some snacks, Maybe a first aid kit, which we always have with us on workshops. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just uh, you want to think about being safe and comfortable, in addition to being outfitted for the to give you the best chance of getting great photography. Yeah. Um. And so you're there. You you're looking for the field of uh, you've, you're set up now. You're looking for you said anything that looked good against a field of uh, stars. Yep. Is that pretty much the, the the guiding philosophy still, or what well, do you look for now? I, me being like the guy who's crazy about light sources, I, I when when you're making a composition for landscapes, it's common to classically look for a good foreground element. Also, right, you might want to look for an interesting bush or tree or piece of wood or water element that's closer to the camera so you can build a good composition that includes many things that tell a story about the place that you're at and the time that you took to make that photograph. You can look for elements of that and the inspiration usually happens when you find enough of them that add up to something that makes you want to take note and take a picture there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and different people have different goals also some people want to do like painting or like writing um, yeah so I, I was gonna ask about that as well but, <laughs> but go on <laughs> well the the light painting and light writing is when you're not shooting during a full moon mm-hmm. like a half moon or a new moon you have to bring your own illumination so the sky will take care of itself mm-hmm. and it's up to you to use flashlights or strobe or leds to let up other elements within the scene. They could be very close or very far or somewhere in between. And the art of light painting is, is something you can practice forever. Uh, Tim Cooper, who I'm teaching with at Arches, is extraordinary at this. Every time I shoot with him or see him do a demo, I learn from him. Uh, and I don't think you can ever be good enough at it. But you can have a lot of fun learning and trying um, and the other, that's like painting when you're pointing the light away from the lens and illuminating something. Mm-hmm. 
light writing, what I, by my definition, is when you point the light source towards the lens. So that's like something like sparklers. I uh, see, right. Uh, even uh, the Pixel Stick, which was on Kickstarter, now it's available for sale everywhere. Um, or turning your flashlight towards the lens and actually writing words in the air. There's lots of demonstrations of that. Or even what we were talking about before with those LED flycopters. That was also technically light writing. So, Okay. And and you said he was extraordinary at it. What makes someone good at it? When you see it, what, what separates a real good usage of light of of light writing from someone who's not doing it well what do you look for <laughs> there, there's a there's a great oh wow uh i look for somebody who when i see their photograph i'm transported to that location mm-hmm. and i go wow they really brought out the most important elements of that scene and they use the good colors because you can have many different colors of light um or they used only one color but they used it really well and they used the light to bring forth highlights and shadows and detail in a way that you wouldn't have seen without the light but in an extraordinary manner and you can this is the same correlation to a portrait photographer you can give 10 different people right same lights and ask them to shoot the same person and you're going to get 10 different pictures unless they had the same mentor, of course. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I mean, it's it, it, lighting a scene is very much the same as lighting a portrait. It's to taste and it's to craft and it's, it's hard to encapsulate what makes a master, but you know it when you see it. And I, mm-hmm. I feel that way about Tim's work. Mm, okay. Okay. Do you do you do you primarily? You said black and white. Are you shooting film still, or are you shooting digital? I shoot both, but with a heavy emphasis on digital lately. Okay. Um, I I love film, and it has great uses for night photography uh, and great advantages. But it also comes with great disadvantages. Uh, right. I, I, the digital, of course, you can know. One of the best things that digital brought to this is the ability to go up to ISO 6400, which unlocked an important feature for night photographers, which is the ability to get a perfect exposure every time. There's no more guessing. Tell me about that. Well, it's called the six-stop rule, and it's something that that uh, everybody that teaches night photography teaches in, in their workshops. Um, and I guess it's easy to find online, but it's basically this. When, when you expose at 6400 at a particular f-stop, uh, for a, a number of seconds, let's say one second, that exposure at at ISO 100 becomes one minute. Two seconds at 6400 is two minutes at 100, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. It's just an easy correlation. The six stops happen to work out to that perfect math where seconds become minutes. Got it. And if you're using the histogram to, to judge your exposure – you're, you're not going to miss any shadow detail. It's fantastic. It's like a night version of the Sunny 16. It is. It is. But it's a, a, like instead of a, a thumb in the air, you know, <laughs> you've, you've got a histogram in front of your face. Right. And you're like, I know I've got a great exposure. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Okay. All right. Cool. Um, anything else you want to share about what you all do with your night photography and the and especially inside the um, the parks? Yeah, sure. Uh, what I think what what National Parks at Night offers 
is uh, we have five teachers with five very diverse backgrounds who are all dedicated to education and night photography. And we all have a love <clears throat> of the outdoors. Uh, and one thing that we, we vow to do when we have our workshops is to always put the students first. So I, I we make sure that we never pick up a camera until everybody's happy. You know, it's very tempting to, to shoot your way through a workshop if you're teaching because you often go to beautiful places. Right. Uh, our students come first always. Um, and there's a lot, since we have such a variety of experience, uh, we have two instructors on every workshop. So you're going to get uh, sort of some yin and yang between the two instructors because some things are facts. And some things are, you know, subjective. So mm -hmm. you're going to get a variety of opinion from the instructors too, which I think helps with learning and forming your own opinions about aesthetics right, right. Uh, and techniques too. And we, we see that as a strength and we encourage it. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also we, we bring a sense of community to this too. Uh, we hope that every workshop we do, everybody that joins it, it's not like you're, you, you're on the workshop and you're gone. We're, we're building a community here where everybody can talk to each other and hang out after the workshops and uh, help each other as peers, too. Cool. Sounds good. Where do people find you online? Nationalparksatnight.com is our workshop series. And for my art and my night photography, it's at matthillart.com. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, thank you so much for sharing um, your experiences with night photography and, and what you guys do out of the national parks. It's just kind of cool. Thanks, now, Lynn. Yeah. I appreciate you having me on. No problem. Wasn't that a cool interview? You know, I, I love how you can hear the boyish excitement still in Matt's voice when he talks about night photography. Like he's still that little kid in Flemington, New Jersey, up in the graveyard discovering night photography for the first time. I guess that's what I love most about talking with him. Now, I hope you were both inspired and learned a few things about how you might do night photography better. You know, I, I have a couple resources on night photography that I'll also link in the show notes for this episode. Um, but this is just general night photography, um, not necessarily the five-minute exposures that I think Matt was talking about. But it will at least get you started if you aspire to shoot after the sun goes down. So um, check the show notes for episode 61. If you go to any of the search bars or just go to shutterbuglife.com forward slash search and put in 061. That ought to take you right to this episode. All right. Now, what are your favorite places for night photography? I'd, I'd love to know in the comments. Um, you know, a lot of us in near big cities do sort of a night photography of cities. And in Washington, D.C., I do them around the monuments. And I know, as Matt said, in New York City, there are lots of places you can do it, even on the water. And I, I love that sort of blending the water to show time at night approach. That's just that, you know, that that's 
that's spot on and where you get the best, you know, some of the best night photography shots. So thanks to Matt for sharing um, both his passion for night photography and his tips on how we can do it better. I'm going to link to both uh, Matt's website and the 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 photographic national parks workshop series he discussed that he leads with some of his other photographers so that you can check them out if you're interested speaking of photographing at night in our new orleans workshops we have some pretty cool night photography opportunities as well we photograph uh, the mississippi river and we do it sort of like right on the banks where you can get uh, the steamboat and uh, the, the the bridge going over the Mississippi River and a little bit of the skyline. It's a really cool site. And I think like last last time when we went this past April, we did more shooting in the French quarters than I typically have in the past because, you know, that's what you know, the attendees wanted to to do. And, you know, I'm pretty flexible. If you want to go shoot something, then I'll do it. So we set up and tried to get some long exposures on on Bourbon Street. And and then behind the uh, St. Philip's Cathedral in, uh, right, which is, you know, the, you, you recognize the front of it in Jackson Square is one of the iconic scenes of New Orleans. But behind the back, there is this, this this statue of Jesus with his arms extended like he's either blessing or welcoming. And then there is a light underneath him shining up to illuminate him. And because of the position of the light, the shadow, his shadow is cast on the back of the church. And it looks like he's giving the touchdown sign in a football game. And so the locals sort of call that touchdown Jesus affectionately. Well, that's always one of our fun stops when we are doing our night photography as well. Touchdown Jesus. And we just have a lot of fun. Uh, both night and daytime, of course, in the daytime, we would be, you know, riding the streetcar down St. Charles to photograph some of the the great architecture and houses down there. We slip around the corner to Lafayette Cemetery and photograph um, both decay and uh, and just the charm, I think, of the cemeteries. And we always meet interesting people along the way. I think in in another episode, I'll tell you about some of the people we meet in New Orleans. But, you know, the, the short of it is we really have a great time and we have just a tremendous amount of of photo ops. I think we, you know, we got back on April 3rd. It's April 20 as I'm recording this and lots of our attendees are still sorting through the thousands of pictures they took. So that's the kind of thing you can expect on one of these photo tours. You want to learn more about it, just go to phototourneworleans.com, phototourneworleans.com to learn more and to register. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Shutterbug Life podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode and our discussion with Matt Hill. If you enjoy the podcast and you like what we do here, I'm going to ask you to do a couple things. One, if you want to make sure you catch every episode, you can you can subscribe. Shutterbuglife.com forward slash subscribe. 
And if you listen to your podcasts on iTunes like I do, you can just go to itunes.shutabuglife.com. It will take you to our page on iTunes, and you can subscribe there. And while you're there, just go ahead and leave a review. Certainly would appreciate that. Share it with a friend. Also, if you know other enthusiast photographers who are learning how to be better photographers, share the, share the podcast with them. And I would certainly love and appreciate that as we um, grow our community. And then finally, you can meet us if you happen to be in Washington, D.C. or New York City. We've got meetups in both of those cities. Last weekend, we were in New York City uh, on Roosevelt Island photographing that location. It was really cool because there was a uh, an abandoned smallpox um, hospital there that we got to photograph as, long, as well as, you know, really beautiful views of, of Manhattan. So that's the kind of thing we do on the East Coast. And so if you're here, just come on by and join us. And even if you're not on the East Coast, join us in our Facebook group. Just go to fb.shutterbuglife.com. It'll bring you to our Facebook group. You can come on in, share your images from wherever you are, because we'd love to see those too and uh, get to know us and become a part of our community. All right, that's it for now. Thank you so much for listening again and enjoy your week. Wherever you go, whatever you do, enjoy your Shutterbug life. Take care. <laughs>